Everyone, welcome back. We are hanging with Homie again. Second <laughs> week in a row. The check must have cleared, and that's why he returned. And he's got a brand new setup. Look at this man's crispy setup right now. Bro, I've been working on this. Something fierce. I've sent you so many videos, so many pictures. And, uh, I, I, dude, I'm just a total nerd for this kind of stuff. I just love setting everything up and the different lighting and, you know, I, I, a new, you know, mic arm here. So, dude, I'm hyped to be back for week two, hanging with homie. I'm glad because my whole show hinges on the fact that you're going to show up. So the week you don't, I'm not going to know what to do. <laughs> I'm always going to be here, bro. I always got your back. I have for nearly 25 years. So I, I'm I, in. Pre I appreciate you, dog. And, you know, for this week, uh, you know, because we've talked a lot in the week about what it is we're going to bring to the show and things just change a lot from Sunday to Sunday. And we've kind of both decided that, JR, you're in the mix with entertainment and pop culture and music. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be great for you to get off your chest all the things that you don't have enough time <laughs> on the radio to talk about? You bring them here. You know, it's an open format. We might go three hours. We probably won't, but, you know, I bet everybody out there, we're going to give you at least 45 to an hour. So what's the first thing just like burning in your list of notes here? Well, there's a couple of few things that are going on over on my side of things in the radio world, in the pop world. Uh, some pretty big stories. I think the biggest one I want to start with is this new celebrity relationship, Selena Gomez Ooh, and Drew Taggart sizzle. of the Chainsmokers. Yo, yep, shout out to dating. Maine. Drew Taggart right? from Maine, bro. Holding it down for us. So these two uh, were spotted out on a bowling date. Some people said that they even saw him getting awful cozy after the date in the back when nobody was around, if you know what I mean. Everybody uh, stalks celebrities, huh? It doesn't matter. You're not safe anywhere. No, you're not. You're really not. But... Dave, allow me to play devil's advocate for a second. First off, cute couple, but if I if I may play it. I'm with you. There's something inside of me just because of I think, you know, my 9 years or so of of radio broadcasting that I've done and being around this stuff, part of me says that this relationship isn't actually real. Wait, you're telling me it's a fake? It's fa it's fabricated possibly? Possibly. Okay. okay. And um, right. this is all alleged. I don't know these people. I'm not friends with these people. But if I may, just, you know, uh, the bend floor your is ear yours. for a second. Okay. So this is something that we see that happens a lot in celebrity, especially in music, right? Now, I think the tell is going to be if the chain smokers and Selena Gomez maybe drop a song this spring. Maybe that's what this is all about. And we've seen it happen time and time again, right? Like you look back into history and you got people like Zach Efron, Vanessa Hudgens. That made perfect sense, right? Obviously, uh, their, their, their films, high school musical, were just massive, of course. You got people like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Uh, obviously, similar idea here because of their films as well. And then you got Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield, amazing Spider-Man, amazing movie. Uh, and the theme here is what can one party kind of get from the other? And I remember specifically, I met Lauv back when I was working in Nashville. You remember his song, I Like Me Better When I'm With You. Yeah, that was, that was a hit. That was a bop. Absolutely. So he comes in to do this like... Christmas performance for us. We got some fans, you know, at the station. It was just a little thing. And all of a sudden, he's dating Julia Michaels. Who's Julia Michaels? I'm very much out of the loop. 
Julia Michaels, popular singer, songwriter, same world as him, right? Okay, musician again, got it. Exactly. And lo and behold, they release a song together, and shortly thereafter, they break up. Ah, because there was no more songs, or there was no more love to make the songs. It's like the chicken (laughs) and the egg. Like, if you run out of sequel movies, does that mean you have to end the relationship? Or if the relationship ends... Does one person say, well, I'm not doing it anymore because this person's got to be off the project. And then they say, you know what? You're both off because we're not doing any more movies. Yeah, dude. It's uh, it's a common thing. Musicians, uh, even actors as well. I read stuff about Harry Styles and uh, Kendall Jenner. Also stuff about Drake and J-Lo, which I never knew about at the time. But Trizzy. apparently they had an alleged, alleged. fake relationship. A now, fake relationship because he's just had a lot of, I feel like, situationships with many, many <laughs> women. So, but this was a, a marketing relationship, shall we? Right. Right. And and the whole thing kind of begs the question. And I know where I stand on this, and I'll get to that in a second. But I want to ask you, and I want to ask our listeners: Is this something that you would partake in? Would you be involved? In a fake relationship, now hear me out, if this meant it would boost up your brand and it would boost up your value within your respective industry, like for you, filmmaking, would, is this something that you would consider? Well, I mean, right now my brand needs a boost. So if I can (laughs) hop on the coattails and just ride for a minute, then I mean, maybe I would. I don't know. I'm such a romantic though. In reality, me as a real person. I could never do it. I'm just too much into the idea of I want to find somebody who's really my soulmate, who really gets me. And I guess maybe if I hadn't met that person yet, I'd say, well, hey, what the (laughs) heck? Let's try this out. This can't last more than a couple television seasons or, you know, quarters in the music fiscal industry, you know, (laughs) however the numbers go. But I think the main thing is as a fan, do you feel cheated a little bit or is the music so good that you say, you know what? I'll give you a pass. Cause that song was really good. Yeah. It's a strange thing because it could be super beneficial and we've seen, you know, the proof is in the, you know, putting there, so to speak. Love and pudding. it's, it's strange because it's, it's almost, it's weird. It's almost like an arranged marriage, like where, where, where they have in certain parts of the world, right? The arranged marriage of Hollywood. That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. We're we are uncovering things that we didn't even consider. But that's what it's called, everybody. An arranged marriage of Hollywood, the music industry. You know, really since Napster and Bear Share and LimeWire and you name it, they've had to get creative and maybe this is a way they're doing it. They're infiltrating real relationships to sell records. Yeah, and I need all the help that I can get, quite frankly. So an arranged Hollywood marriage, I would dive into headfirst, you know, PDA, you know, public makeout sessions, whatever it took to push the project to the next level. I'm on board for all of it, bro. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, well, I sent you, as soon as you brought it up and we were chatting about it, I sent you the emoji of um, the million dollar man doing this because I was saying everybody's got a price. For the million dollar man. They do. (laughs) We do. I think all of us do it. And you know, there's a number, right? And I don't have any good data to back this up, but it's somewhere around like 70 to $75,000. Any more than that, you're not really a lot happier than when you're at that number. 
Now you can do a lot more cool stuff and you can have a lot more cool stuff, but your happiness quotient, we'll say, doesn't Great really word. go up or down much. And I know, and you know, from living on very little, like twenty to 30000 a year, to now making the most you've made, and me kind of going up and down in freelance, I actually had one of my happiest years when I was living in Boston, making like twenty six grand after I did my taxes. I think it was like 26000 I had a great year. Now, I don't want to struggle like that, and, and I'm lucky <laughs> that I was able to work, and I was physically able to do it. But back to that point, there's a number, there's a magic number for everybody. And I don't think it's much more than 75,000. Right. Do you think it's, it's so much the number or is it more the notoriety that could come along with one of these arranged Hollywood, you know, relationships? And that's an excellent point about your, your year about, you know, 26, but I was the happiest I had been in a long time. And I think when I look at a job or I look at a, at a career like I'm in now, you have your salary and then you have your creative fulfillment. And we talk those about this all the time. Yeah. Those don't always meet, you know, and it's, it's a very, very tough thing. And fortunately we've come across a platform like this video podcast that I get to do with my best friend. We go back since bull cuts and this is what's really bringing my creative fulfillment back as much as I love being on the air and I'm super grateful to be able to do it. And I love making videos and TikToks and reels while I'm there, bro. I look forward to this. Like you would not believe it just lights a fire under my butt and it's starting to bring that creative fulfillment up to match where you are kind of financially. It's important. I mean, I have kind of, done more things I would say for fulfillment versus money. I've done so many things where I could have taken the money, but I looked ahead 10 years and said, I don't want to be that guy mm -mm. in the office who's been in the same cube for 15 years. Exactly. Now, a lot of people it's that's safe and steady and they like that. And I, Hey, that's your thing. Nothing and wrong I met, with it, right? I met, yeah, I met a ton of people at, when I worked in Silicon Valley, when I worked in New York, they were great people. Love talking to them. Like I made friends with them, yeah. but I just knew for me, I said, that's just not me. So after about seven years, I had to leave. Now I wish more of the opportunities would come around that money was attached to it with the fulfillment. But yeah. I know at some point the money's going to catch up with me being creatively fulfilled. And I think that it comes off in a way where when people meet me, they say, you're really happy and you seem to love what you do and it's a good energy I give off and that's what attracts people to me. Now, sometimes it attracts people that want to just energy vampire and like suck the life uh, out of me. And it's yeah. hard for me to recognize that because I just want to give. And this last year, I definitely learned there's a lot of those people that they seem to mean well and they seem to want to help you, but really it's all for their own personal gain. So I'm getting better at recognizing those people and, and trying to just shoo them away nicely but the money's coming, bro. It's going to catch up with the creative fulfillment. It's, it's, it's coming. I know it will, dude. If anybody believes in you, trust me, it's me. And, you know, back to, back to kind of your point, when I first broke into radio, dude, I was literally working for free. I was working for, uh, you know, gift cards and expired restaurant coupons. But I'll tell, tell me you, that story. Time dog, out. Tell I me the one... story about the expired restaurant coupon. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, first thing, I was one happy guy because my name was on the radio, and that's still the coolest feeling in the entire world, and it'll never get old. But when I broke in in Portland, Maine for uh, Q97.9 as a mix show DJ, I wasn't actually on the payroll yet. So I was, I was submitting mixes five days a week, 30-minute mix shows, and I wasn't getting paid. But I was it didn't really matter because... My, like I said, my name was on the air and, and people were starting to recognize me for my DJing. And it was like, man, it was such a great platform to get known. After a while, it was like, hey, here's a gift card to XYZ or here's a coupon to this restaurant in Portland. Kind of like and, money. Yeah. And bro, being so broke and being so hungry, I would legitimately take the bus to go to these restaurants so I could get a meal for the night. And, and dude, more times than not, I'm not even kidding. I would show up and the restaurant would either be not there anymore. <laughs> didn't even exist. Didn't exist anymore because they had already shut down. And these coupons have been in the prize closet for 10, 11 months. Gotta have coops. Yeah. Or they, or they're just closed. And I'm just like, damn, like, what am I going to eat today? And then eventually after a while it was, okay, we'll bring you on as kind of a part-time employee. We'll give you up to 29 hours a week. You're making $10 and 10 cents an hour too. Yeah. And then 10, minimum 10 wage. before taxes. Yeah. So I was making $10 and 10 cents an hour and then minimum wage got bumped up to that in Portland back in that time. Right. And I know I was making 10 minimum wage got bumped up to 10, 10. So I was doing my dream job making less than minimum wage, but it goes back to that point. I was so creatively fulfilled because I was doing what I genuinely wanted to do for the rest of my life. And it was the start. So it was at that point where the creative fulfillment was at an all time high. The money was at an all time low and you'll find yourself in multiple times throughout your career and throughout your life where they just don't match. Either one's up and one's down, but it's when you can get to that point where they're even, and that's a lot easier said than done, right? Because as creatives, we're never actually fulfilled. But if you can get to that point, damn, you're on to something. Hang on to that the rest of your life. Well, it's been a journey too for you. That's why I say I know the money's coming because I've seen it happen to you. I've seen it happen to me. If you weren't willing to put your quarters down for the bus to go and <laughs> like you put in your 10,000 plus hours as popularly said, right. you know, 10,000 hours and you become a master or an expert in something. And nobody, nobody says you're going to get paid during those 10,000 hours, by the way, but you got to find a way to get them in. So you yeah. found a way to get them in and now you're making the most you've made in your professional career which is really cool because you get to see it, it pays off. And now when you venture out on the next thing, you will know in your head, okay, I've been at the bottom of the step or the bottom rung and it proved that it paid off. So you're going to be willing to do it again because you know that it does work. And, and you'd be willing, I bet, to, to wait longer if it meant more or it meant success. I would wait forever and I would do this entire journey all over again tomorrow if I had to. Same Honestly, way, you, you do it. Yep. I like it, that. It doesn't matter. It's just, it, takes, it takes a certain type of person, you know, to really put themselves out there and never quit and never give up and always bet on yourself and, and just keep going no matter what. And eventually you'll get to where you want to be 
or you'll always inch closer. I don't think we'll ever be to a point where we can like hang up the hat and say, okay, what a career, right? See me either. I could, I couldn't do that. I'm always going to be wanting to do something, uh, amongst the entertainment industry, whether it's broadcasting or podcasting or, you know, long form, short form videos, whatever it is, I'm always going to be wanted doing something. And, and I think this is something that we could do. Gosh, man, until we're six feet, bro. I mean, we, I I think it's going to be cool when we're old men doing this. Yeah. I don't even know what the heck this is going to look like. Probably different gear. I mean, who knows? It's way in the future, Yeah, but we're going to still be doing this. Um, it, it brought up, um, it, I know we're, we want to talk about this today. I think this is a good way to get into it. Okay. It's not just about the money and you once upon a time brought me an opportunity that <sighs> was just about the money and we need to talk about that. Yes. So let me tell you <laughs> hearing this right now, Dave and I were once a part of a multi-level marketing scheme. And it's a, it's a company. It, so it's just, it is a scheme because it's a scheme and not a scam. Let's just be fully about oh, yeah. that. Okay. This is a company that makes millions of dollars and tons of products. And I bet a bunch of you have been involved or had somebody you know has done it or you've had the products. Or you've been approached in like a library or a Maybe bookstore by one or of at us. the mall. <laughs> so... I, I had to have been about 19 years old, right? Is it okay if I say like what the name of the Yeah, let's say company? it. Okay. So it was called Amway or but Quick Start. And that might trigger something inside of you. So they were they were like finessing because they, they had a lot of bad pub, a lot of bad press. So they said, all right, let's change the name to Quick Star. It's the same parent company, mm-hmm. but... You know, hey, new year, new me, new company. People aren't going to know. I mean, now, you know, long story short, eventually you <laughs> figure out, the, oh, oh yeah. okay. But, bro, yeah, but when, we're not when, like that. But we're not like that anymore. I've changed. Baby, I've changed. I've changed. I'm different, yeah. baby. But when but when you're that age and, and you're that young and you're that impressionable, I was 19. I was a year out of high school. I'm working at Rite Aid, right? Like I'm a cashier there just trying to make people smile, just trying to make the time go by. And I met this guy. We'll leave his name out of it. He was, a, I think, a grade younger than me in high school, but his parents had been involved their whole life. Uh, and, 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 and his, I mean, his whole life rather. In, in the business. And, we always call it the business to this day. Ju- just the business, bro. And he approaches me about it and I'm like, wow, you mean I could get, I could kind of get rich quick. This sounds like it's too good to be true. Tell me more. Eventually I'm sold. I'm in. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) And uh, I sign up, whatever the fee was. And I immediately call Dave because the whole point of a multi-leveling, you know, leveling marketing, you know, scheme is to try to get people under you to build different legs. Tell your friends and family. Yeah, friends and family. I call Dave, my best friend. I'm like, if anybody's going to back me on this, it's Dave. Plus, I know he's smarter than me because Dave Dave is in college. So <laughs> you're back at home. <laughs> I call you and I go, Dave, I got a, I got a business proposition for you. Go, go on. I'm not at liberty to discuss it over the phone, though. So you can't go on to what? So why did you call me? I'm going to be there in five minutes. I have this guy that's going to explain the whole thing. You're going to love it, dude. Trust me. I'll see you in five minutes. And I hang up. 
<laughs> I can't get any words out. I'm like, all right, JR and some guy are coming over. And by the way, I knew in the back of my head, if you were going to come over, you weren't driving. So somebody no. had to take you. No, dude. Yeah. So me and this guy roll over to your house and you may have even, you know, if you've ever experienced this, you may have even gone to a meeting where they kind of show the plan. That was like the big thing. Show the plan, show the plan, get people over to and over up. and over again. Yeah, so I had just like, dude, bought in hook, line, and sinker, and we go over to Dave's place, and this guy does the plan, and I'm like, you know, I'm adding stuff in to because I know Dave and how we, you know, talk and communicate, and yeah. I'm throwing in things to kind of like help out, but <laughs> eventually Dave made up his own mind, and you were in too, and I was what in. Was I it? said, okay, because we've never really talked about like what was going through your mind as you were first being shown that plan. I was very skeptical um, about the whole thing, but I thought, you know, that's, it does make sense because like you can make money with it. I understood that you can make money, but I didn't understand that you really, that there were levels, literally levels to this and you couldn't remain in the same level. If you didn't, you know, level up and then get people underneath you and underneath them and underneath them. I mean, that's why they call it a pyramid scheme because somebody has to be at the top making the most money. Yep. And if you think about it, most businesses are pyramid schemes. You're an employee. Uh, you're not the CEO. You don't have a bunch of shares, so you don't make the most money. You don't get the decision-making. We were talking about Vince McMahon last um, week. Yeah. And, you know, now he's trying to get most of the stakes and the shareholders uh, so he can have full control of the company, right? Yeah. Anyway, but, but back to this, I saw it as a way to get rich quick. I was like, I need to make money. I'm in college. I am poor. I was working at Avis cleaning cars, and I yeah, only right. did that because it was super fun to, like, drive the car as fast as possible from the jet port <laughs> to the Avis lot and just, like, whip around. And that's what was fun for me. But then they're like, no, you have to like vacuum. I had to do most of the cleaning. So two weeks in, I told the guy, hey, I'm going on a trip to Acadia. I just told him I was going. I'm you 20 years old. You randomly picked Acadia? I just, I, no, I really was going. Oh, okay. No, Katahdin, Mount Katahdin with oh. my buddy, my buddy Ben from high school. We're going to go climb Katahdin and hang out. And he's like, well, well, we need you here. You can't just take vacation. I said, well, I guess I quit then. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm out of I'm here, bro. Not, I'm like two weeks into this job. <laughs> okay, I'm Damn, getting 11 bro. bucks an hour, which I thought was cake at the time. More than you, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. Bro, well, 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 at that time, yeah, definitely more. Yeah, I was working at Rite Aid, dog. And, and this is 2006, yep. 05, 06. And so uh, this is how I left, though. Cause I was in his office and I didn't have a shirt on underneath. Now, you know that my oh, house no. is luckily like 0.3 miles from the Avis rental car lot. So I just took the shirt off. I had no shirt. I put it on his desk and I walked home shirtless. Doug, that is, that is the most G move there's ever been. I love that. <laughs> just like, I gotta go. So I told this dude, I was like, Hey man, I'm in like whatever you need. Let's do it. Cause I'm trying to get money. And then I remember having to go back there cause I still had to get my final check, which yeah. I really needed. It was like 800 bucks. I've worked a lot of hours and that's awkward. Like you and I put it like on the shirt off. I was like, hopefully he wasn't there, but he was there. I was like, Hey, thanks. And I just left and say anything. So I yeah. took most of that money though. 
and put it into a product, signing up for the business. So I signed up my first person. It was Dave. I'm me, patient zero, baby. And I'm thinking, Dave's the smartest guy that I know. He's going to make me rich. <laughs> You're riding the gravy train. You're like, I found yeah. the, the best one. Dude, yeah. And it was always so awkward trying to like approach people because a lot of people that were older that weren't like in that 19 to 21 age, they've all been approached. They've all, you know, went went to a meeting or had a friend that did or a family member and they're like, no, Dude, it's a scam. I'm not. It got to stop. the point where I invited my ex-girlfriend from high school to come what? over to this dude's house. You were there. And and you know who it is, and you know we're cool. We're no, there's no worries. But right, I, I was reaching out to everyone. This is everyone. what we're trying to get at. Like I wasn't even leaving out my ex girlfriend, and she came and saw it, and she didn't sign up. But yeah, like that's what we were going through. We were like Jordan Belfort selling anyone <laughs> who would talk to us on this dream that we didn't even understand how to explain. No, we just knew that we were around a bunch of like wealthy people that had, had all like had success with it. And we would just daydream about it because, dude, when they would get you into these meetings and a lot of them would be held privately at somebody's house and you're like, oh, my God, you look around and I could have this. I could have this at 19, 20 years old. There's no way that I could get this any other way. And you just get sucked right in because you see the lifestyle. You want to be the lifestyle. You want to live the lifestyle. And then... Slowly but surely over time, you start to wisen up. You have more, you know, real world experience. And then you're like, and eh, I think I'm going to do something else. And that's when I decided to give music a real go. But that's not to say that I didn't have an excellent time with those people. I specifically remember this one instance where we're in Westbrook, Maine. We drive all the cars down to the basketball court and we turn on all the lights. And it's like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we're all out there and we're calling ourselves like the diamond club. Cause we're going to go diamond. That was like, like the top tier hey. you could get. And we're all playing basketball and it's all of us young dudes and, and girls. And we're just like, we're all going to do it. And we're all having so much fun. And yeah, I even, I even met a girlfriend through the business that I dated for a while. Dude, I remember that. What? She was way out of my league too. And, but you do business. So you're like, Hey, I'm kind of successful here. What's up? That was the thing. It was kind of like, well, if I'm going to date anybody, you know, they're going to be in the business, you know, because we all wanted to have that small kind of like, you know, tight knit group of like minded people. And yeah, had some amazing times with all that. And eventually I wanted to really give music a go. I think you eventually really wanted to give music a go. And we're like, we're going to bet on ourselves. And slowly but surely, like I didn't renew but I would still buy some of the products because the excess energy drinks Man. were delicious, bro. Man. So to this good. If I, day, yeah, still if my could, favorite energy drink. If I could get my hands on those, I would. I would ditch Monster in a heartbeat. The classic. The it was the classic blue with the orange uh, yep. excess. That was and the. Then, I don't. I remember the flavor, but it, that's the one. I think it was like a tropical punch or something. And then you would take this like caffeine pill and then down, <laughs> down the drink and they called it a roadie blast. So while we're out there, I'll shoot hoops. We're all like just so hopped up on caffeine that it's just crazy and we can't sleep. So we're just staying up all night talking about the business and talking about how rich we're going to be. Talking, and talking about, about our dreams. And yeah. A lot of dream building. Yeah. That Which, was I mean, if first... you think about it, it's not all bad. No. And we, we talk about this still to this day. 
that those things are important and we learn them outside of the the typical business world, I apply a lot of those principles to my life still to this day. The networking, the confidence to approach people, how to articulate ideas in front of others, like leadership. There's so many good things. And that is why ultimately why I said, oh, like, I, you know, I get this. I, I understand that this, like, I like the camaraderie, I like hanging out with the people. But the moment that I realized this probably isn't going to work for me or you is we had, we were sitting down at the table of, of one of the older folks that had done well. They claimed in this business and they probably were telling the truth. But they said, I said, uh, they asked me, you know, what do you, what do you want? What's your goal? What is your dream? I said, well, I want to own a recording studio. I was like, me and me and my dude right here, we're going to record music and that's what I want to do. And he said, well, well, wouldn't you want to own four? And I was like, why would I want to own four? I can't be in four at the same time. No. He said, well, you know, you can make more money. And I was like, well, yeah, but I can't make music. So the goal is to make music. And it was at that point I said, oh, you just want me to be a business person only. And you're ignoring what I'm really telling you is that I want the time and the freedom to create. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. I got the same exact thing. It's like, well, JR, like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? I'm like, dog, I'm 19. I don't know. I want to be, be a famous musician. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, what if you were a millionaire and you could finance your music career? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know, man. I just want to make stuff. Yeah. that Like what we're doing today. I mean, I would not have wanted to stay in even if I was successful because I wouldn't be making things. I would be rinse and repeat, do the business, do that, da, 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 da. And I always tell you, hey, we got to fall in love with the process, which might be very boring sometimes and monotonous and all the audio stuff you've been teaching me the past couple of weeks, not super fun, but I like the result. So I said, cool, I'll get good at this really boring thing. And if I'm so good at it, it's a muscle memory. It would have been the same with that business. I would have got really good at, I did get really good at actually showing the plan at one point. And I was, I did it on a couple college campuses and I even brought it out to California and I, I got a couple people in my group that way, but I wasn't in love with it. And then I realized I'm just being forced to hang out with people. They're not bad people. It's like, again, an arranged relationship, arranged friendship. I I, I don't want to kick it with these people all the time. Yeah, as good as, you know, they're good people for sure. But it's like, if anybody hearing this is a fellow creative type, which if, you know, if you are hearing this, I assume that you are, you want to be around a bunch of like-minded people that want to just at any point in any day, just get together. Let's make something. Well, what do you want to make? I don't know. Let's just figure it out. Anything. You know, those, yeah, those are the kind of people that I want to be around. But you're right. I learned a lot of good skills from just being involved for the time that I was like how to talk to strangers and you know, how to, how to make, you know, not how to make people like you. I don't think that's what I'm trying to say. I think it's how to be more like friends, win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie. That was one of the books too. That was when I got turned on to audiobooks for the first time. Really? Because that business had a bunch of the, remember the CDs? Yep. And you would buy them after the plan. Or we'd get them all from our buddy and, yo, can we borrow that? There was, I mean, the upsell. 
Yo, if you were just good at the education selling, you didn't even have to be good at selling the products because those people were raking it in. But let me ask you this. And I mean this with all due respect to anybody that we know yeah. that has been in the business or is currently still in the business. Cause again, we got to tell our story people. on this cause we were involved. Yeah. So with all, all due respect, let me ask you this, all of those CDs before them, they were tapes for them. Was that not just like brainwashing? Well, it is, but here's the point. Sometimes your brain needs to be washed. Okay. Like a lot of that stuff, I'd say a majority of it, Take it out of the context of that specific business. That's good stuff. So if you apply it to the right thing, consistency, show up on time. If we apply all those principles to the music industry and the entertainment industry, you say, oh, yeah, I need that. Everything you and me talk about now, it was in those tapes and CDs. It's just they were in the wrong context for us. They're trying right, to get people all just to in the context of the business rather than we took it to say, well, we can apply these same principles, not only to our lives, but to our careers, you know, in whatever, you know, industry it might be. So yeah, you know, brainwashing, I wanted to ask you that because that tends to be kind of like a negative word, you know, but you're right. It was, it was just putting a bunch of good positive thoughts and like constructive, you know, ways to go about yourself and to go about things all of it was kind of good. That's why it's like, I can't say anything bad about it, you know, because it I was good stuff. It, it, was, was, it wasn't for us. No, nah, it wasn't for us. It was a learning experience. And I wouldn't trade it because think about this. We could be on the, uh, we could be the same age, having never experienced at the level we did, ground floor, actually doing it. And we would just be sitting here um, speculating on what it's like. But right. we both know firsthand exactly what it's like. And we met some of the biggest heavy hitters who oh, yeah. are still, I think, doing it and were truly successful. I remember so, at one point we all hopped in this big like RV, bro. And I think we drove to Ohio for this giant conference. I and missed I think, that one because yeah, I was I in think, California, but I flew in. I think this was one of the first times that I started to notice not everybody is about this because there are a bunch of protesters outside before we even went into the conference. And then once we got out and uh, we're told, don't listen to them. They're just, you know, haters and whatever, whatever. And this was the conference I went to that I had, a, I had a diamond shaved into the back of my head. Dude, we have photos. If <laughs> I can I find them diamond, before, bro. if we, I, I know I have some I can show, but if I can find that one before this episode goes out, I am putting that up. Please do. And it, it was pretty sick. And it made, it was, you know, people would come up and ask you, why do you have that diamond? And it's like, well, I'm not at liberty to discuss it, but I have a guy that can explain. <laughs> so yeah, there we are full circle, man. All but, right, Dave, take it away. <laughs> yeah. That was our time, uh, in quick start in Amway in a, yeah. uh, you know, pyramid scheme. Shout you know, out to excess. Now they wouldn't call it a pyramid scheme, but if you look at the structure, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, is it legal? Yes, it is. But it's a legal pyramid scheme. That's what I'm going to say about it. Man, what a journey. I'm sure we're going to have more stories about that too. But I feel like that encapsulates our journey in the business, if you Pretty will. Pretty much. 
I wanted to hear more though about pop culture because I still feel very out of the loop. <laughs> and I know the Super Bowl is coming up and the halftime show is a big deal. And I believe Beyonce's done a halftime show before, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was involved in one a few years back, was it? She must have been. I just know because you mentioned something in our notes in our, our pre-meeting about Beyonce. And I said, well, I haven't heard about her in a while. So like, what's new with Beyonce? Well, the other big story right now in the pop world, yeah, Beyonce did the Super Bowl halftime show back in 2013. So this was a while. This I was knew 10 it. years ago. Okay. Yeah. So the big story right now with Beyonce is she just performed her first concert in five years. Did you hear about this? No. Okay. So she's performing again. Sort of. This was in Dubai. So her first concert in five years, I think it was like a bot show in Dubai. Uh, and the thing about it was, is cameras were not allowed. Like cell phones were not allowed. This was not allowed to be like photographed or filmed or anything. But where there's a will, there's a way, right? Because a ton of clips started just <laughs> flooding my Twitter feed as it was happening. And it looked like a like a big extravagant stage. There was this giant sun behind her. She's wearing this like big yellow flowing dress looking as only Queen B can look. Jay-Z sitting up in the press box, you know. And uh it's the rock. Yeah, she performed, you know, performed some songs. She even brought her daughter out to perform a song with her to sing with her, which I thought was kind of cool. So no okay, no cameras. Uh yeah. It's now, it was either one of two things. She got a huge bag, and part of the deal was no clips anywhere. I know how they roll over there. It's a different story, but hey, money is green, so you know, you'll take it, any stipulations. Or she was filming it for like a Netflix special or a, a special or something. Do you know about any of that? No, you know, uh, I, I think it's got to be one of those things. All right, here's here's what I think is happening here. I don't think it was a special. I don't think it was anything like that. I don't even think like the concert was was filmed at all aside from the people that were there that weren't supposed to. <laughs> okay. Um and I wouldn't be surprised if by now a lot of those clips have been pulled off of Twitter. And we're not going to put them here on the show because do right. we, you know, we don't need that kind of heat. We're already, you know, <laughs> we're already fighting with one arm behind our back so to speak. But what I think is happening, Dave, is is this was like a, a bot show opportunity for Beyonce to go get that bag, do your thing. But I but I think what she's doing here is kind of shaking off the rust. Girl hasn't been on stage in five years. And okay. I think what this is ultimately going to lead to is a an announcement with tour dates for a North American tour. Oh, uh, yeah, that's going to go ham. That's yeah. so okay. So this is like a soft launch. I'll, the only clip I'm seeing is this person's it's like a purse or something. And it just says, no videos or pictures of Beyonce performing. So it's just this purse <laughs> just yeah, proving the that is, they went. Yeah, they, they give you these like, uh, I don't know, these like uh, felt lock boxes okay, to that, put your phones in. That's and they what were it's doing for. the same thing last night at Comedy Works in the in the Denver Tech Center when I went to go see the Sklars. Even so the Sklars. Or yeah, just a no venue filming. probably. Because I've been to a lot of comedy venues and that's just kind of the deal. Yeah. And it's been, but, you know, because most, um, I think most comedians feel more comfortable, not only if you're not quote unquote stealing their material for your own use, but if, um, they, they might want to work something out or they might 
talk to a heckler and it might come off out of context as something else. So it just adds complication to their life. I get it. Yeah. I think it just stems down to, we want you to pay to come see the show. Don't watch it on, on the internet when some fool posts it and tries to monetize it, you know, but yeah, I think we're going to get a big announcement from Beyonce soon. North American tour. I, I could have sworn man, her and Jay Z did a show in Nashville several years ago together. And I think it was at Vanderbilt. Really? Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember if that was part of like a tour or if that was like a one, two, maybe three off thing. I don't really remember, but yeah, I think the second biggest story we have going, uh, you know, going on in my world right now in radio is Queen B Beyonce gearing up for a tour, just did the big show in Dubai, performed with her daughter, which I hope is something that, you know, she brings to this eventual, you know, States tour. I just think that's kind of cool. You know, how dope would it be to see Jay-Z Beyonce and Blue Ivy, right? All yeah. on stage. Just family. Yeah. Rocking the mic. It's the you rock, know? rock La Familia. Rockefeller family, man. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Okay. So that's what's happening. All right. And you just mentioned, you know, real smooth. Yeah. You know, I went to see the Sklars. Sklar <laughs> no Brothers. Deal. Folks, they're our, I think, our top, at least amongst friends, comedians. We've watched Cheap Seats over and over and over and over uh, again. And you know yeah. what's cool? I just put two and two together watching their Instagram that you can watch Cheap Seats on their Patreon. I think they just go through old clips still, but you have to pay to watch their Patreon. What they're doing now is they have their UFC show, but when I was talking to them after their performance, they have cheaper seats. That's what it which is. Which is like, it's like a lower budget, you know, they're just in front of a green screen, just kind of riffing, doing a lot of the same kind of stuff that we loved. Bro, I, I can't tell it. you how a big part of my life cheap seats was, you know, because of you, because of one of our pals, like we would watch the entire run in low res. Cause those were the rips that we could find the 480 P's. Yeah. There was a point in my life where I would fall asleep to that show every Same. single night. It's comforting the sound. Yeah. Just the banter back and forth and the jokes. And I mean, you you don't really have to watch it. Like that's how good those two those two guys are. And they couldn't have been nicer. I was really excited after their performance because I got to I bought this dope hoodie, like Sklarbro country hoodie. Dude, yes. And I got to so during the show, they're they were like, We don't really do this, but you know, we're gonna take five questions from the audience. Dude, I'm jumping. I'm like, <laughs> I'm six three and I'm trying to get my hand up, but they're just not picking me. Yeah. So finally when I get to meet them after the fact. I, uh, I walk up to him and I say, you know, one of the, the question I wanted to ask you while you were on stage is what do you guys imagine happened to floor wax? <laughs> you asked them this? Oh my God. I have to I know did. what they said. So I can't, I can't say it as well as they did. Of course, like I'm not a comedian, yeah, but the yeah. gist of it was, he goes, yeah, you know, we just imagine that he's in some cabin somewhere just like complete maniac like off his meds just trying not to like self-destruct and he's just hanging on by a thread Bro. and just the way they you know how they deliver yeah, it it's just it's so funny and then i got to snap a picture with him the lighting was terrible but it's one of those one of those you know one of those instances where the picture is for me like this doesn't have to live on the internet this is for me to know right and i go when we when we take the picture, can we say uh, 
you know, on three, say super dogs, super jocks. And we did. And it was awesome. And Come then on, they go, dude. Yes. Yeah. They go, yeah, you know, this is like a, you know, fourth graders, you know, birthday party. Just not as fun. Thanks for coming out. Like they were just so funny. <laughs> just not as super, fun. Yeah. Super good guys. I like, I wish I would have been on top of it more because I would have totally tried to get them to swing by the studio oh, before bro. their show. So I could have, you know, talked to them and, you know, like, you know, filmed it for the show and for my, you know, broadcast as well. So they, they say they come to Denver once a year. They love it here. Um, so I'm definitely going to try that next year. If I'm, if I'm still here, they had a lot to say about Sir Russell Wilson, which was really <laughs> funny. Of course, Russell, you know, dude. that's what they just uh, opened up with. Man. Uh, yeah, they know I'm not going to try to do cities. their jokes. Yeah. They yeah. know their cities. That's, they were so good. Man. That's, uh, that's cool. I saw them, uh, with our buddy with, uh, me, me and Joe saw him in San Francisco. Gosh, it was probably 2012. Wow. Over 10 years ago. They were great. Yeah, they just, I just saw them on this show. I was watching uh, What We Do in the Shadows on Hulu. And at the like ninth or 10th episode, they did a cameo spot where they're these fix and flip guys. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. I'll show you, I'll show you the episode. I mean, they just, I don't know what it is. I like that brand of comedy. I like that style of comedy. Yeah, it's their it's their timing, it's their chemistry, it's their rhythm, their jokes are so good. And they incorporate what, sports. Yeah, and what makes them stand apart is the way that they do it together. It's just the twin uh, magic, bro. Yeah. It's it's something dude, else. It's, yeah, absolutely twin magic, dude. It's special. Huh. Well, but, all right. I feel like I'm pretty caught up with some pop culture and you have like crossed into the pop culture by getting to meet them and hang and like I'm secondhand so excited that you got to do that. Yeah, dude, that was an awesome experience. And uh, before I went to the show, a bunch of really cool pro wrestling news broke and I kind of wanted to round out the show with a couple stories within the professional wrestling world if if you're cool with that I, I need i mean i need to know i've been too busy to keep up so but again then again that's why you're on the show we, we Absolutely. the people and i'm i am people i need to know so one of the things is wwe shop has just dropped a bunch of brand new merchandise for Dwayne the rock johnson i smell what you're cooking so this is getting this has fans like super eager because there's a lot of speculation a lot of i think hope would be the better word that the rock is going to show up at the Royal rumble to win it, to then challenge Roman reigns at WrestleMania to see who the real head of the table is. And WWE releasing a whole new line of merch for him has people thinking that this is going to actually happen. And where I stand on it is I want Cody Rhodes to win the Royal rumble because I love his story, trying to win the title for his father. And it just, his big return last year in the amazing matches he had with Seth Rollins, the big time WrestleMania return, the hell in the cell with the torn pack. I was going like, to say, didn't he have a big injury too? Yeah. So he's all, he's all healed up. He declared himself officially for the Royal rumble. And a lot of fans were kind of mad at that. But if I'm honest, a lot of the internet wrestling community is almost impossible to please. They'll always, you know, turn over rocks to try to find something wrong. But I think it's great because it lets me know when I turn on, you know, next Sunday night, I'm going to see Cody in the Rumble and I'm hyped about it. The other big story is uh, 
you and I might have to take a trip up to Canada for this one, Dave, because what? Brett the Hitman Hart is opening his own bar. Dude, all right. Well, I'm in. I, I, I need to have a Labatt Blue, eh? <laughs> so this is going to be in uh, in Calgary, and it's they have like a whole new Instagram page for oh, it. Oh, yeah, like a whole Calgary, new Alberta, yo. <laughs> it says that it's going to open up soon. Uh, they're looking for servers and bartenders and all kinds of stuff, and I'm just hoping that we're going to get some sort of like pictures and video soon of like what's the vibe like on the inside. I don't know if, if there's necessarily even a name for it yet. I, d- I don't remember. I saw it quickly. All right. But well, let's let's let, let's you and I name Bret Hart's bar for him. What what would you call it? The obvious one is Hitman's. That's Hitman's, that's the right, obvious dude. one that hits me. But what do you got? Hitman's is good. I would probably call it Sharpshooters. <sighs> That's you know what that's better. It just is. Think about it. Shooters, shots. It just goes with a bar theme. Yeah, it just kind of fits. And this just kind of came out of left field. Like I didn't really expect to hear anything. It's like Bret Hart opening a bar is kind of wild. But I think this might be you know worth us taking a trip up to Calgary, bro. Hitting Canada dude, so we can go to Sharpshooters. We have yeah, dude. What else is there? The Calgary. They got a hockey team, the the Flames, I think. Do they? Yeah, I think so. I don't know a lot about Calgary, Alberta. When I think of when I think of Calgary, <laughs> for some reason I think of uh the Calgary Stampede. The the football team. Yeah, that was was that like a uh USFL team way back? That was a the Canadian, the CFL. Okay, okay. Yep. I think the Rock played for them. Way once upon a time. I got to look this up before we wrap because I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I remember him talking about his days in the in the CFL on Young Rock, which is an awesome show. I don't care who you are. It's just so entertaining. Yep. Okay, called it. So he signed with the Calgary Stampeders. I think it's just a stampede, but it says, and according to Wikipedia, Calgary Stampeders, um, Canadian Football League. However... However, he was cut yeah. um, his first season, which is probably for the best because now he is the most electrifying man in entertainment. Yeah, he has he has a whole episode on that. I think it was in season two, if I remember. We're in season I think we're in yeah, we're in season three now. Like I I I just watched the most recent episode. Young Rock is cool, but yeah, dude, that's pretty much everything that's happening in the uh in the wild world of professional wrestling, uh, real quick, I wanted to see if I could interest you on the Are you gonna pitch me the business? topic. Are you going to pitch me the business again? No. I'm not at liberty <laughs> to discuss. You know what? I'll just save it for next week. There was a story of fifth grade. This is peak attitude era, okay. right? All right. Yeah, yeah we got to hear this. Fifth grade story. Do you want it now or do you or should we hold I it? I want to know. No, I want to know. Okay. Now that you brought it up, you can't. Okay. No teasers. Okay. So, fifth grade, Longfellow Elementary, Portland, Maine. Mr. Johnson was was my teacher. And Al Snow had just, like, come out onto Raw and he has the mannequin head. What does everybody want? <sighs> yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> it was a mannequin head. Like we got as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, that's cool. It's like the, yeah, the trophy. Everybody wants, yeah, everybody wants the head. So I write that on the chalkboard. <laughs> what does everybody want? And then in all capitals, I write head, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like, <laughs> Who did this? 
and everyone's like, it was Jeff. Did you, and were he, you like, yeah, it was me? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Al Snow <laughs> is, ah, oh, it's, it's so cool. And he goes, I'm going to see you after class, after school. What, dude? You're like, are we talking about Al Snow? Because that's awesome. No, I got detention, <laughs> dog. Like, <laughs> And he held me there for what felt like for hours, trying to get me a fifth grader to comp that I understood what oral sex was <laughs> at what? 12 years old, 11. I don't even 11. know. remember what age. You're like yeah. 11, dude. Cause you kept saying, cause you answered your own question. What does everybody want head? And you said, well, yeah, yeah the mannequin head, obviously. So he's grilling me and he's like a big dude. So it was like intimidating. And he's like, you know what it means. Tell me, you know what it means. Just spit it out. You know. And I'm sitting there like in tears. I don't understand what you're trying to say. I don't know what head is. It's a mannequin. And I'm, the whole thing. And he literally just kept me there for like another hour. He's like, you're going to cop to it. You know what it means. And you know how inappropriate that is. And I was like, Mr. Johnson, I don't understand what you want from me. I'm talking about Al Snow. It's on he TV. Yeah. And he was a big wrestling fan. So he knew. But he like he's he knew the innuendo. Man. He knew what it really meant. Exactly. And at that age, I had no idea. Finally... He just let me go. And I wonder to this day, did he feel bad about that? Because I'd never cop to it because I genuinely didn't understand the innuendo. So frustrating like, when you don't actually know. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of, you know, this is cool. This is kind of weird. He, like, comes out with a mannequin head, and he hits people with it. And what does everybody want? And the whole crowd had, like, it was just like, exciting. Like, oh, sick. If I had a little prop, that'd be cool, too. Yeah. So I wonder to this day, Mr. Johnson... Or if you know him, Mr. Johnson from Longfellow Elementary, if uh, if this can find him somehow, some way, I want to know if you feel bad for that, for holding me hostage after school for so many hours, just thinking that I understood what I was saying. But uh, yeah, that's my story in fifth grade about how Al Snow got me detention. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Al. <laughs> Man. That's a good story. I feel like... Um, as we do this show, more fun, uh, stories from our childhood are going to come out like that. I thought of a bunch of them for this episode, but, uh, they're going to need to see another day. Well, good thing. We're going to be here week in and week out every single week. Hanging with homie for Dave. I'm JR. Remember it's cool to be you. We'll catch you next week. Peace.